Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20-Minute Books, we delve into Propaganda, a seminal work by Edward Bernays, who is often referred to as the father of public relations. Published in 1928, this groundbreaking book candidly discusses the vital role of manipulation in shaping political and social realities. Far from condemning the practice, Bernays lays out a provocative case that propaganda is not only an intrinsic part of modern democracies, but also an indispensable tool for governance and business. Drawing from his own experiences as a propagandist for the United States during World War I, Bernays developed a scientific framework for influencing public opinion, a strategy employed by both commercial and political entities. Nearly a century later, his insights remain as relevant and influential as ever, provoking thought and debate among scholars and practitioners alike. With a legacy that traced his impact to the core of American public life, Bernays's strategies continue to echo through present-day marketing, advertising, and political campaigns. Propaganda is essential reading for professionals in public relations, advertising, and marketing, providing context and historical background to contemporary techniques employed within these fields. History enthusiasts and those with a vested interest in American democracy will also find this book illuminating, as it offers a critical lens into the mechanisms that have shaped public discourse and opinion across generations. Prepare to have your perspective challenged and your understanding of media and democracy enriched through the insights of one of the most influential figures in American public life. As we explore Edward Bernays's Propaganda. Propaganda, the art of public communication and relations. Introduction. Unlock the secrets of persuasion and its role in your choices. Picture your daily journey through choices and preferences. Every little decision you make, from the coffee brand you prefer to the news articles, that capture your interest. You'd be inclined to think you're the master of these choices, exercising your free will. But pause for a second and consider this. Perhaps the seeds of these choices were sown long before by someone else, someone who skillfully mapped the path for you to follow subconsciously. Welcome to the fascinating world of propaganda. Edward Bernays, who can be dubbed a crusader for the art of persuasion, believed that propaganda was not inherently malevolent. Rather, it could be harnessed for good, much like his uncle Sigmund Freud's groundbreaking ideas on the psychological undercurrents shaping human behavior. Where Freud revealed the hidden impulses dictating our actions, Bernays envisioned guiding these impulses on a societal scale through adept use of propaganda. The echoes of war lay the foundation for peace. What sparked Bernays' revelations on the untapped power of propaganda? It was the gruesome theater of World War I that provided clarity. If deep understanding of an individual by a psychoanalyst could lead to their mental well-being, then couldn't the same be true on a grander scale? Bernays saw the propagandist as the psychoanalyst of the public soul, using insights into the collective psyche to nudge societies toward more positive outcomes. In this captivating accord of Bernays's 1928 classic, Propaganda, we delve into the mechanisms that turn logical thinkers into a collective mass, 
and explore the striking parallels between promoting wartime efforts and commercial endeavors. Bernays' views unveil a somewhat unsettling justification for governance by the few, all hinging on the premise of psychological realism. So, saddle up and prepare to learn the transformation of rational individuals into the might of a mass movement. How strategies for marketing goods and warfare are more similar than you might think. The way a dim view of human rationality can lead to a political hierarchy where the elite govern the many. Part 1. Delving into the roots of total mobilization through propaganda. Let's rewind to the early 20th century, where world events took a pivotal turn with an unprecedented scale of conflict. World War I. The world witnessed not just a battle of arms, but also a tussle for the human psyche, where civilians back home became as integral to the war effort as soldiers on the front lines. War had evolved into an engulfing force, blurring the lines between military and civilian roles. The concept of home front emerged, signifying the domestic efforts crucial for sustaining the war. This was the time when the economy was commandeered by the state, and the everyday lives of the people became subsumed under the war umbrella. Governments began to grab the reins, managing resources and rationing food to support an all-consuming war. In such a climate, the key to maintaining morale and commitment wasn't just in material supplies, but in controlling the narrative, justifying the sacrifices demanded of the populace. Propaganda surged forth as the vital tool to persuade, encourage, and rally citizens around the banner of war. Fast forward to 1917, and we meet Edward Bernays, a young publicist, amidst the turmoil as the United States joined the fray. At this juncture, the American spirit was not naturally inclined towards war, their sentiment favoured staying clear of the European chaos. Yet the government foresaw a different role, one with international impact and a gesture of support for democracy. To shift public opinion, the Committee on Public Information was born, specialising in changing minds and fostering patriotism. They repackaged the war as a noble endeavour, a crusade to protect democracy worldwide. Flags waved, and public support for the war soared, demonstrating the potent force of a finely tuned propaganda campaign. This experience left a lasting impression on Bernays. The revelation that propaganda wielded immense power, akin to a magic wand that could awaken a nation to march to war, lingered in his thoughts. As gears shifted from wartime to peace, Bernays pondered a provocative question. Could the same persuasive energies of propaganda be harnessed for society's benefit during times of peace? It was a dilemma he was poised to explore as the cannons fell silent and a new chapter of influence awaited. Part 2. Navigating the Moral Landscape of Universal Propaganda Edward Bernays held his role in the Committee on Public Information in high regard believing firmly in America's mission against Germany during World War I. However, Bernays was a man who preferred brutal honesty over sanitizing language. He was vocally critical of calling their work public information, a term which suggested unbiased factual sharing. For Bernays, this was a sugar-coated way of describing a proactive effort to sculpt public opinion, in essence, propaganda. 
When Bernays articulated these thoughts, he found himself in hot water. Yet he stood by his belief, articulating the concept more expansively in his 1928 work, Propaganda. At the time, just like today, propaganda was seen through a lens of negativity, synonymous with deception and treachery. This tainted reputation, Bernays argued, was itself the result of a proficient propaganda campaign that distinguished the virtuous public information of one's own nation from the perilous propaganda of the enemy. Looking to untangle the perplexity surrounding the term, Bernays turned to its roots. Propaganda derived from propagab to propagate simply meant spreading a doctrine or belief. Thus, from corporate advertising to religious missionary work, all persistent attempts to shape opinion and behavior are fundamentally forms of propaganda. In Bernie's eyes, propaganda is morally ambivalent, serving merely as a tool. Its ethical value is gauged by the ends it seeks to achieve. Whether it is laudable or condemnable depends on the purpose behind its use, not the practice itself. This perspective demands a sharp focus on the objectives of propaganda, assessing each on their merit. This brings us to a crucial juncture. Who gets to judge the goals, and thus, the justification of propaganda? Bernays's blunt proposition was that a select group of intellectual leaders should preside over such decisions. It's a perspective that doesn't shy away from elitism, but it's also underpinned by a more nuanced take on the imperfections of democracy and the role of public opinion within it. Part 3. The Challenge of Democracy in the Face of Human Nature In the tapestry of governance, two statements stand in stark contrast. One expresses the absolutism of Louis XIV, I am the state, a declaration of unchallenged monarchical authority. The other echoes the democratic ideals that arose to challenge such autocracy. The voice of the people is the voice of God, placing sovereignty in the collective hands of the citizenry. Governing under the autocratic creed is straightforward. You command and they follow. But what of governing by the democratic maxim? That requires citizens capable of self-governance, steeped in reason. Democracies bank on the belief that rational beings, through open dialogue and consideration, will converge on sound decisions for the common good. The wisdom of the crowd, a collective intelligence, was the underpinning hope of democracy's proponents. However, this hope didn't go unchallenged. Late 19th century psychologists observed the actual dynamics of large groups and saw not a conclave of sages, but a herd, capricious and driven by emotion. Thinkers like Gustave Le Bon influenced Edward Bernays's worldview with the notion that individual rationality dissolves into group irrationality. Bernays shows us this phenomenon through the lens of an individual, supposedly making a rational choice about stock investments, who is, in truth, swayed by a tapestry of social influences. Perhaps it's a casual comment about a company's service, or news of an investment by a prominent figure. This isn't the cold calculus of reason. It's the human tendency to succumb to the herd's whisper. This view paints not a collection of individual thinkers, but a collective mind, prone to fads, fear cascades like bank runs, or blindly following demagogues. It's the group psyche that defines trends, reacts en masse to panic, 
and rallies behind seductive but hollow rhetoric powerful enough to upheave governments. Such a perspective casts a shadow over the democratic ideal, forcing Bernays to confront a grim assessment. If democracy were to truly act on the impulses of the masses, viewing each ripple of public sentiment as divine mandate, it would wind up erratic, fickle, and incapable of long-term strategic decisions, like committing a nation to a contentious war for the sake of future stability. Part 4. Marketing Principles as the Blueprint for Political Persuasion While Bernays critiqued the failings of democracy, he didn't intend to dismiss the system altogether. He deemed it superior to dictatorial rule, but was keen on finding a way to make democracy work, even with human nature's irrational tendencies. This brings us to the world of marketing and how it parallels the art of politics, exemplified by none other than the marketing of Bacon. Before the transformative strategies of propaganda were introduced, the sales technique was brutally straightforward. Advertisements and posters declared simply, We have bacon. It's tasty and wallet-friendly. Please buy it. The repetitive promotion was underpinned by the belief that if you just tell people repeatedly of your product's value, they will come around and purchase it. Bernays introduces us to a savvy salesman, a propagandist, who goes beyond the rational consumer myth. This salesman is well aware that consumers, like voters, are swayed by the crowd and the influential leaders within. It's not about listing product merits, it's about creating a resonance that aligns with the desires of the group psyche. In a strategic move, the propagandist leverages the authority of doctors, garnering endorsements that link bacon with health and vigor. Thus armed with trusted voices, the message reaches the public, not just with a product, but with an affirmation of vitality. This tactic, embodying Bernays' own successful campaign to boost bacon demand, sheds light on the intricacies of influencing public choice. Bernays saw little distinction between the methods of selling a product and those needed for championing a political cause, policy, or candidate. The approach that elevated bacon sales mirrored the methods of the Committee on Public Information, which utilized relatable figures to build trust and tie war efforts to deeply embedded national values. This melding of consumer marketing and political maneuvering lays bare an uncomfortable truth. Understand the subconscious yearnings and fears of the masses, and you can guide them, be it towards breakfast choices or battlegrounds. And for Bernays, the ethical stance on such manipulation hinged entirely on the ends it sought. If such tactics steered society towards noble objectives, like the strengthening of democracy, then propaganda wasn't a cynical ploy, but a necessary strategy in the complex game of governance. Part 5. How Modern Complexities Pave the Way for Expert Guidance As the Roaring Twenties reshaped American society, change was as inevitable as it was rapid. The once pastoral nation now thrummed with urban energy, and technology like radios and telephones made communication instantaneous. Women stepped into the voting booths. The workforce raised its voice and desires, not just needs, were catered to in the market. With traditions toppling and new trends emerging constantly, the world had become bewilderingly intricate and fast-paced. Bernays, viewing this transformation through his lens of societal irrationality, 
saw potential chaos. Governance, if it were to be effective and prudent, required time for thoughtful deliberation, something that seemed increasingly scarce. The pressing issue was how a society buzzing with impulses and distractions could engage in reasoned debate or arrive at prudent decisions. Bernays's solution was influenced by the notion that absolute freedom, while a noble concept, didn't mesh with the practicalities of a large, diverse nation where not all were equally equipped to pass through the myriad of ideas clamoring for attention. In his view, society needed curators, experts who could filter through the noise and present the populace with the best options, thus upholding the essence of choice, albeit within a vetted framework. These experts were not authoritarian rulers but democratic propagandists, guiding the collective will. While the ideal democratic scenario would have citizens exhaustively researching every topic and making the most informed choices, Bernays recognized that such an approach was untenable in reality. Pragmatism demanded that people often deferred to the expertise of others. Political parties, despite not being part of the founding vision for America, arose to add structure to the chaos of democratic choice. Similarly, on the economic front, rather than conducting exhaustive research, consumers rely on the distilled choices presented through marketing and advertising, a form of delegation that simplifies daily life. In almost every domain, Bernays observed, a small cadre of influential individuals shaped the collective preferences and decisions. Take fashion. A consumer might choose a blue shirt, believing in the autonomy of his preference, unaware of the complex web of influence stretching from designers to trade shows that actually guided his personal taste. Propaganda then, according to Bernay, wasn't just powerful, it was essential in navigating modern complexities. Just like trendsetters in fashion and visionary marketers in the food industry, politicians too could harness this tool not by pandering to expressed desires, but by seeding the very ideas that define what people think they need. It wasn't the unrestricted choice that mattered to people, but the illusion of choice, the belief that they wanted that precise shade of blue or that particular policy. As society marched on, Bernays envisioned a model of democracy where expert propagandists would steer the public not by coercion, but by crafting the choices that appeared most appealing and natural to an unwitting populace. Final summary. What should you walk away with after delving into the depths of persuasion and public opinion? Well, the essential point is this. Propaganda often gets a bad rap, envisioned as a sinister craft utilized by tyrants for deceitful purposes. But Edward Bernays challenged that notion casting propaganda in a different light. For Bernays, propaganda was not just propaganda. It was an indispensable instrument for steering the course of society, particularly within the democratic framework, which he found to be susceptible to disorder and the whims of mass psychology. In his eyes, far from being the deceitful tactic it's commonly portrayed as, propaganda is vital for creating order and motivating decisions in the fast-paced, complex world of the 20th century and beyond. It's a tool as applicable in times of peace as it is in war, as relevant to selling policy as promoting products, as central to the functioning of an effective democracy as it is to maintaining the stability of nations. 
Whether you see it as manipulation or necessary guidance perhaps depends on your own beliefs about the nature of society and the role of those who lead it. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.